Hello and welcome to our LCI podcast here at Life Church. My name is Justin Hutchison. I'm the online pastor and media director here at Life Church. And today we have a very special guest here in one place in one accord, uh, Vasa Tamyev. Uh, he is the youth pastor and music director at Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle and Maslin, Ohio. I'm sure I'll, I needed to get that right for my wife. And uh, which, he, if you're not aware, he is. Uh, his father and along with his brothers and family are pastors and saints of the Kiev church affiliated with the UPCI in Kiev, uh, Ukraine, which if you don't know, and uh, you haven't been aware, uh, it is being attacked and invaded in conflict with Russia as we speak. And uh, I thought it'd be important to get with him today and talk about uh, his story. So it's nice to have you on, uh, Vasa. It's good that you're here. Hey, Justin, thank you for uh, having me. This yeah. is an uh, opportunity and honor for me to share um, a little bit of my family and the, the church. So, Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, we're, uh, we've known each other through, through, through my wife. Uh, you go to and you are the youth pastor at the church that my wife grew up in. And uh, until she moved to Arizona, that was her main church. Uh, so I do get to see you guys when I go back to visit family and stuff like that. And yes. uh, through, through through the vine, we've become uh, friends. So I thought it was impact, uh, exciting to kind of tackle this subject with someone I know. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a very important subject. And, uh, you know, I think, I think for someone who is across seas and not involved directly in the conflict, uh, we might see this as two months of just gone, gone by so quickly and, you know, shoot by us. But I'm sure for those involved, uh, you know, on Ukraine soil and those who uh, left in, in refuge from it, um, it, it they, they feel every hour, they feel every day. Um, yeah, it's, you know. it's, it's, uh, it's real for them. Sure. Yeah. Um. I just uh, talked to my brother a little bit ago, and uh, this is, of course, uh, starting before sharing any history, but uh, he just made a trip to uh, to Kiev, uh, and uh, he visited his hometown, and in the morning before he had to uh, leave uh, with his driver, uh, the, the, the rockets start flying. And wow. uh, he said it was a moment for him to decide. He said the ground was shaking. The and uh, it was like a real moment. He didn't know what to do because he's standing there outside. There's no, you know, no no place to go. They don't have shelters in the in the village where he lives. And uh, it's only moment to pray and to rethink you. You know, like they say, rethink your life choices. But. Uh, um, but uh, luckily, those rockets, uh, I know the church is praying, we're praying, those rockets went by. And uh, uh, the driver pulled up and they just left. Um, wow. Know, and so, of course, they had to leave their home. Majority of the Kiev, uh, my family, they had to leave their homes and evacuate a little bit, you know, to the safer area of Ukraine. And, uh, um, and so they, they're safe. And the uh, the Lord protected them. Lord protected uh, every church member. Uh, nobody's been uh, uh, injured or killed. Um, uh, the only thing is they've been displaced uh, due to they had to uh, leave and evacuate because uh, of the fear of uh, well, not fear. It's actually happening. The rockets are just randomly flying into apartment complex and houses, and so. Mm. And uh, we were able to see some pictures uh, that Sergey sent. Uh, his hometown is just houses demolished, his house and uh, my parents' house uh, and the church members' house that live all safe, which is a miracle and a testimony. Praise God. But a lot, a lot. It just looks like Sergey said it just looks like in the movie. They drive through barricades, drive through checkpoints, drive through uh, just ruins and uh, abandoned uh, military things and uh, um, I can't really speak uh, it's it's actually a law in Ukraine that you can't share 
any information about military units and what's standing where and it's like they they can get arrested for that sure sure and so but he said it's it's real real moment to uh and you feel this just emptiness in the streets there's no people walking around and it's just uh it's that moment you know uh, for us it's just we we're just imagining and talking about it but he for him he said my knees were shaking, standing outside. You can feel the ground shaking uh, as those uh, rockets hit the ground. And so he, he sent a video of the skies and you can hear the rockets flying and hitting the ground. Wow. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, for us. He didn't tell us until he got home safely, but we he knew that, uh, you know, especially my parents would be my mother um, and our family would be worried to death. But uh, right. But the Lord kept him safe, uh, and uh, he was able to make the trip. Uh, it was like a two-day trip to Kiev to deliver some um, food and some aid to those that uh, still couldn't evacuate to the church family, to some um, uh, people. And so, and he's back safe to where he's at. Uh, but. No, that's good. And I mean, we we see what they show us obviously. Um, but I've seen video and Maryville and all these other places that are just bombarded. It's almost tragic looking for sure. Devastating looking. Um, I think for, for those listening, some, I didn't even know that we have church, uh, in Kiev, uh, a apostolic Pentecostal oneness believing church, uh, which is exciting to know. Uh, and your family has really a unique history uh, of how they got here and, and, and the, the testimony that God had for them. So how yes. about you just take some time? Normally I just say a few seconds, but really I think it's just so, it, it's so mm-hmm. enticing and knowledgeable to know exactly what's going on and how they got here uh, with your family history. Yeah. So um, Touch briefly on the way back in the 1977. This is my mother was born in a Baptist family uh, during the communism. Pretty much, if I would say, everybody was Baptist, and that that came out because the church was underground. They didn't sing lo- uh, aloud. They didn't pray loud. Uh, they didn't know what speaking uh, uh, in tongues was. They gathered and they read the Bible. Uh, or any material they could, and the, and, and the church was really just uh, in the dark of the night, the darkest hour of the night. They couldn't gather in daytime, couldn't gather openly, so it had to be in secret. And so she was uh, received the Holy Ghost and baptized in 1977. Um, and this was not, uh, this was uh, uh, during like a little uh, gathering, I, I would say, they would gather at night and the, the youth and the, the people at that time and, and earnestly pray. Uh, and so in 1977, in the middle of the night that my mother uh, received the Holy Ghost um, and later was baptized as well in the night. They had to go in the lake. Mm. They, they didn't do baptismal pools like we had the opportunity in nice warm water. Right. Yeah, baptized at night, whatever lake, river, anything that has water, cold or wow. warm. And, and so my father uh, received the Holy Ghost in 1970, a little bit earlier than my mother. But he was 15 years old um, at that time. But he couldn't get baptized because the tradition was we don't baptize unless you're like of age, 18 or older. And so, uh, and some churches up today still don't believe, like, you know, we believe here if the, uh, you know, somebody 12, 15 years old, you know, at campgrounds receive the Holy Ghost, they understand right. what, they, what they experience, they get baptized and, um, you know, but some some churches in Ukraine still hold the tradition not to get, you know, that, that early age. So my father uh, uh, waited six more years at the age of 21, he was um baptized uh 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 underground uh in the middle of the night as well and uh uh uh, uh received the holy ghost in one of those prayer meetings during the night <clears throat> and so uh from 1970 uh to 1989 the church uh 
what was the you, my family, some relatives, some strangers, uh, people that they knew that believed um, they didn't really belong to a denomination. You know, we, we it, it became a Baptist church when the, once the uh, the uh, persecution broke out. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the, the freedom came, the Soviet right. Union broke, uh, okay. yeah. uh, broke up. But before that, they, that's what just, uh, there was no really denomination or anything. They just earnestly prayed uh, and desired to know God, read Bible, uh, saying, they said they hummed uh, what songs they knew to themselves in like a little dark room. Um, and so they gathered from like that from 1970 to 1989. And during that time, um, uh, I was born in 1986. But 1980, when my brother was born, and uh, uh, Pastor Sergey, which is uh, a pastor in Ukraine, uh, the KGB would come to our door. They knew that we were Christians, um, and they knew that uh, uh, they knew that we were Christians. But uh, they, you know, we didn't gather, so there was no kind of evidence. But they would come and knock on our door and uh, try to see if they can come in and search our house to look for Bibles. It was a wow. crime to find a Bible, to mm. find anything that would, you know, have a church track or a songbook or anything related to that. And so they would often come, uh, come uh, especially when my dad was at work, and then uh, they would uh, try to, you know, uh, intimidate my mother with uh, Sergey. Uh, and uh, Sasha was born in uh, uh, 83, and Sveta, my sister, oldest in 81. And so they they uh, often would come and intimidate, try to find them. But uh, they did have the Bibles at home, but they were hidden. And uh, uh, my father had a, a beehives. It was kind of a business. They would take them during the spring and pollute the farmers' fields, and then collect the honey, sell, uh, battle it, uh, package it, and sell it. Sure. And so they hid them in the beehives where they wouldn't look. Because if you open the beehive, you'll get right. You'll get sting. So, uh, and so that's that's how the church was born. Uh, the, the the early church in Ukraine is is uh, they just gathered underground, earnestly praying, desiring God was filling them with the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night. Um, you know, and uh, they've come to uh, understand that the baptism in Jesus' name uh, and filling with the uh, uh, speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and and that's how the church was born. And, and when the freedom came in 1980, uh, 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 1991, uh, the, the church went uh, above ground. They, they started building buildings. And then that's where a lot of churches start to build buildings. And so we, bu we build a building as well <clears throat> to, to be able to open uh, uh, together openly. And my uncle my my father's uh, older brother is the pastor of the church uh, to this day and so but to backtrack a little bit my great grandfather this was early 1920s uh came across a preacher that came through town that handed him a bible and this was before before uh, uh this was before my father was born 1920s uh and so <clears throat> he start reading Bible on his own. And he went to the, what we call the local church uh, that only was art, uh, uh, Slavic, uh, I'm sorry, Russian Orthodox church was the only church that was during communism. They were the only church approved by the government. They were the only church that was telling you what to believe and what you shouldn't believe. And so when my great grandfather went to the, the, what we call a Pope at that time, he went to the Pope and said, listen, the Bible says we need to be baptized. Bible says we, we don't need to burn candles. Bible says we can just repent and we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, so the Pope got real upset and uh, uh, told him, you need to listen, you know, like uh, do what I say, but uh, uh, and kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> later on, um, the police came, which is uh, uh, the communist police. It's not police like we have in this day. Um, came with the Pope to, to my grandfather's great-grandfather's house um, and beat him on the way as he was coming home from work at his doorstep 
and he died in 40 days uh, mm. for, for what he believed to be the truth. And so this is kind of how the church started because he left my great grandmother with eight children. One of those children was my grandfather that, that they started gathering at night and then passed it on to his children, which is my father. And uh, my father was, like I said, in, in 1970, they, they were gathering uh, at night, earnestly praying. God was filling them, many of them, with the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night. Wow. And so in 1991, when the, 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 the freedom came <clears throat> and we built a beautiful church that's still there in the city of Ismail, uh, pastored by my uncle. Uh, my father at that time was a youth pastor. He was evangelist. Uh, he was a choir director. They, they started uh, organizing missions. I mean, they just started working uh, like never before. They just took what they believed to spread the gospel all over. Mm -hmm. um, and so he felt the burden to start a church in Kiev, which is at that time was a little too over 2 million people. And uh, uh, he visited uh, Kiev a couple times did a, 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 a few gave out a few tracks uh, that was close that was already the burden came uh, uh, around 1992 um, in 1993 that he started driving to Kiev a little bit uh, uh, on the weekends and just to preach on the street in the public square he would put a, a car speaker you uh, uh, put a little speaker on his car plug it into his uh, car stereo with wow. a little microphone and that's how that's how the church was born in Kiev. And then uh, later on, when we moved in 1994, uh, uh, that's, we just ran around, gave out tracks, and we had a, uh, rented a little building, uh, uh, like a 100-seat building. Uh, and uh, we just ran around, sang on the street, public square. There's a picture. Uh, maybe I'll send it to you and if you want to put it sure. up there. Yeah. Uh, it's on the black and white, but uh, that's the only pictures we could get then. Uh, but it's uh it'll 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 it will explain this picture that i'm trying to uh explain and so <clears throat> uh backtrack before 1994 1993 this is when uh you know my mother prayed we all prayed um and uh, uh that we felt that we we should move to kiev and start the church um and so we sold uh everything that we had in the we were, uh, you know, the reason I'll say this and not to brag or anything like that, but we we're pretty wealthy, <laughs> according mm -hmm. to my parents. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm grateful for the heritage and uh, everything that I have right now. And although we went through times of uh, when we didn't have food and, and, and money and clothes and place to stay, but I'm sure we'll be wealthy if we didn't, uh, my parents didn't respond to the call, but I don't know if I would be and my family would be in this, uh, where we at today, right. serving the Lord, uh, literally all over the world in different capacities. And so I'm grateful for that heritage, but, uh, it, uh, they sold everything they, they could, their businesses, they quit their jobs. And then we gathered whatever chunk of money and moved to Kiev in 1994 and this is when the, the trials and tribulation came of the birth of the church because uh, uh, in 1996, just two years down the road, when the money ran out because you had to pay rent, you have to pay rent sure, for, yeah. for our apartment, we have to uh, you know, eat, clothe. It's, it was seven of us, seven children. Wow. And plus mom and dad, that's nine. And so we had to pay for the church building because, you know, thing as tithing and offering wasn't wasn't a thing <laughs> when we started gathering we just we didn't really preach about that because we just wanted people to to be saved you know preach the gospel baptize them uh and and pray them through the holy ghost and see their life changed and we've seen many miracles but nothing like 1996 when my sister was born yana mm. uh youngest sister and uh, uh my mother was sick after the birth and I be, uh, uh, was sick. Uh, suddenly we didn't know where it came from. It wasn't something that appeared, you know, over time that I knew like, you know, cancer patients. I had cancer, uh, uh, liver cancer, sarcoma, second stage. Wow. And suddenly it just appeared. Like I said, I don't know my mom, my mom had a dream one night that I would come to the room holding my stomach and it would be all 
and blood. And so in that night, as she was having the dream, I walked into the room and I was holding my stomach and I said, I'm hurting really bad. I couldn't straighten out. And uh, they, my father drove me to the hospital and then we went that day. It was like, uh, she said it was like close to three o'clock in the morning. So we wow. drove that day to three different hospitals, me and my father. Uh, 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 he drove me. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. They scanned me and scanned me and, and test, did tests. And, and finally, in the third hospital, this was oncology hospital for cancer patients. And so they figured that I should stay at that hospital, although they still didn't know I had liver cancer. They knew it was cancerous. And so I stayed there for a few days. They gave me some antibiotics, some fluids. I don't even know what it was that I was at, like close to 10 years old. Uh, yeah. actually 10 years old. Yeah. Right. And, and so they took me to a surgery, cut me right in the middle of my stomach. It wasn't even when my liver was, and they discovered that I had a, a tumor tumor that popped and that I had a, a glass of fluids in my spine uh, that they were able to drain. And then my liver was, was almost completely covered in, in cancer. And so they, they, they cleaned up the, the, the fluid and they, they, amputated the majority they said they didn't say how much but they said the majority of my liver was amputated and they sew me together put me in icu for um probably good a uh, week that they didn't want to take my stitches out because the expectation was that i would die mm -hmm. and uh, in the icu that i, I was with uh, uh five other kids if i'm not corrected uh, if i'm corrected uh five other kids that they all die from the cancer that they had. I'm the only child that uh, didn't die. Um, and my father, of course, he was able to testify to all of those people at that hospital. And uh, we became good friends with all of those people, but all of their, their you know, my, they were my age, some of them a little bit younger. Wow. But uh, my parents pressed on the doctors to, uh, the reason I'm painting, I want, I want to, us to understand how the church was born and how really took off because while I'm in the hospital, my mother at home with uh, seven other children, and uh, they don't have what to eat. Uh, and uh, this was the time, like I said, we were getting uh, uh, notices from our landlords. We moved in the span of 10 years. We moved probably good eight to 10 times. I, I can't recall all of it because we, we couldn't pay. They, it's, they didn't want to wait. It's not like here you have 30-day grace period. They right. say you need to get out by the end of the, uh, the month or by the end of the next week. We, you know, you can't live in advance. And so we had to uh, pack whatever we had in our boxes. Uh, and it's not like here we had to get a, a moving U-Haul. Uh, it just, we literally had just suitcases. Yeah. Um, and so while I'm in the hospital, uh, my parents pressed on the doctors to, to take my stitches out because they, the expectancy, I was going to die while I'm in ICU in ICU, like the rest of the kids. And so they, they, they said, okay, we'll take the stitches, but he need to do chemical therapy. And my parents prayed about it and they didn't feel good about it. And they said, we're not going to do chemical therapy and I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but, uh, uh, anyways, the, uh, they, uh, they sign a paper that says that they're crazy for taking their, their, their child home without any doc, you know, supervision, no nurse, there was right. no, you know, home care. And uh, literally they said, you are crazy for taking your child home without any, any, any proper medication or chemical therapy without any procedures going. And so when they took me home, it happened that my, my mother's, uh, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad passed away. And we had to drive back to our hometown where we came from. This is where my father's elders were. And so uh, after the funeral, uh, I ate very things that I wasn't supposed to eat because I was on a strict diet uh, because it, I, my, my liver couldn't hold anything. Anything I eat, it would just discard. And so I, I ate some things after the funeral and, and I was in pain in the few hours after that. And when the doctors came to our hometown, my mom was a nurse before uh, we moved to Kiev. So she knew the doctor 
they looked at me, they said, this is it, you know, uh, there's absolutely nothing we can do for him. And, uh, but just to give him a shot to put him to sleep a little bit, not numb his pain, and then hopefully he'll die in his, in his sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. I remember the shot, the nurse, she was very nice. Uh, they were laughing, but um, I was throwing up for literally before they came for about four hours. And I started throwing up little red chunks of blood. And so <clears throat> they put me to sleep. Uh, the church was praying. My, all my family was there. Uh, uh, my uncle pastor, my father's uh, pastors, my my grandfather was there. His his brother was pastor also at another church. My and so they all gathered uh, there and were praying for me. And my mom said it was like uh, uh, they could hear uh, physically like chains were banging on every window in the house where, in that time, it, it was the battle was happening. I guess in the spiritual realm. And so I woke up in the morning and I said, uh, where is my food? <laughs> it was a miracle. I just, wow. I didn't die in my sleep. And so that morning, <clears throat> my father took me to the, his elders of the church. And like the Bible says, they anointed me with oil, prayed a uh, prayer of faith over me. And uh, I felt something happening in my body. And from that day, um, I was healed. It's been, uh, it's been uh, uh how long has it been? Let's see, uh, 30, uh, 22 years, <laughs> 22 wow. years uh, that I've been healed and I haven't done one chemical procedure. I haven't been on medications. I, I don't go to checkups, but this is when the Lord also healed my mother that time. And so in 1996, when I got healed, when my, uh, uh, my mother got healed, and the Lord brought us through this moment where we didn't have food to eat. And we would have strangers knock on our door and leave food, leave money. And they said, the Lord just told us, woke up this morning, told us to, to come and give this to you. And uh, as they go around the corner, they would vanish. We tried to chase them, you know, talk about angels. Uh, we believe that the Lord uh, just sent angels to our doorsteps to just drop off. Uh, food that we needed for that day uh, we needed money to pay for exact amount to pay for our apartment um, and so this is how the Lord started providing for us day by day uh, and this is how the church was born in 1996 we start seeing a miracles in the church the Lord would heal a uh, heart of a young lady she was 18 years old she had a hole in her heart and uh, in, in uh, heart conditions and literally our prayer, my father, I remember that prayer. He, he told my mother, put your heart, your hand on your heart. And, and my father put my, uh, his hand or, over my mom's hand and said, the Lord, give her a new heart, literally. And uh, she went to see the doctor and they say, your heart's like new. Wow. <laughs> and of course, the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost that day when we were praying at the church for her. Uh, and we started seeing crazy miracles like that. The Lord would just heal cancers. He would. Uh, open blind eyes and we just the, the this and the church was born in that time uh, although we started 1996 but the church took off and so uh and and we were like this uh uh seeing crazy miracles in 1997 uh uh my father was able to go to a conference in budapest hungary and uh uh, uh there were several upci ministers there and one of them was uh, uh bishop ellis uh, uh many uh, many people know him and so he's a founder of purpose institute actually mm-hmm. uh and uh, um uh, and that makes uh, also a uh, significance because we'll talk about it in the current time in the church in kiev um but uh, uh we partnered with bishop ellis and then he was coming consistently since 1997 almost every year and he would just preach in our church um in 1998 uh, uh we met missionary william turner he was missionary to Russia at that time, but then expanded to former Soviet unions, and that included Ukraine. And uh, and this is how we became to partner uh, with the United Pentecostal Church at that time. It was 1998 um, and to this day. And so at that time, my father had a dream, had a vision. He's a, he's a visionary uh, that he would build a church in the city of Kiev. Uh, and the church will become a training center for uh, to send out apostolic uh, ministers, evangelists, and in different capacities throughout Ukraine and, and former Soviet Union to preach the gospel. 
you know, because uh, he was the only UPC high uh, apostolic pastor at that time. There was other Pentecostal churches and Baptist and, you know, different denominations right. already, but n- none that would, uh, you know, we, we were worshiping, we were uh, dancing, clapping, praying loud, praying in tongues, believing in the plan of salvation and preaching the gospel. And there was not many churches like that because they still came out with that mentality that, you know, they shouldn't pray aloud. They shouldn't clap their hands. They shouldn't uh, preach openly that people need to, it's, you know, in filling is for everybody being filled with the Holy ghost and speaking in tongues. You know, you don't have to have a special meeting. You can just, just receive it. And so uh, he had a vision that he would build, a building uh, that would serve as a church, but also as a training center to, to, to equip. And so uh, uh, through brother Turner, when we partnered, we were able to, 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 to do a, the first uh, apostolic Institute at that time that we would be able to invite preachers, invite young ministers from other churches, from other cities that uh, we knew and many would come hundreds of people came through that institute that would come to understand the gospel, come to understand the doctrine of salvation and uh, that there's one God and his name is Jesus. And you need to be baptized in Jesus name and speak in tongues and live, live a holy life and preach the gospel to everybody. And so uh, that was a great, but uh, we weren't, he, all the time that we were in, in, in uh, up until 2007, that when we immigrated to United States, he wasn't able for some reason to acquire a, a, a building or acquire a land to build. There was so many uh, things. I mean, if I would just think about it right now, I would say it wasn't the will of God. Probably it was the will of God, but not at that time. Right. And so because uh, and, and then during that time, up to up until 2007, uh, we were able to establish 12 new works. I personally already at that time, I was like, between 10 and 16 throughout that time we would travel i traveled with my dad a lot i love to travel because he would let me ride the drive the car (laughs) (laughs) um and so uh we traveled to many villages different cities in eastern and western ukraine um meet with pastors meet meet with groups of people that would email us or or send us uh, a letter that wanted to us to come and and i would travel with my dad would meet with 12 people with 100 people with just a few people he would we would preach to uh, everybody and right. we would baptize them. And in the little next day after we had that meeting and preached to them and next morning would go baptize them in a nearby lake. Wow. And so through, we've seen 12 new uh, works started in that time from uh, uh, the church was created and up until 2007. And so, you know, about our immigration, we immigrated in 2007, uh, not by choice, but, you know, uh, I guess we, uh, uh, everything was in the will of God, I guess I, I would put it in this way, because thinking back, we didn't want to immigrate, but uh, the way immigration process w- was, was started and it was working, once your paperwork was in place, you really had no choice, because if you deny immigration, you will never come to the United States, and okay. most of our relatives have already immigrated, and so, uh, um. And so I'll stop there for a second. And my brother, Sergei, uh, uh, when he was 21, uh, through another missionary, uh, actually not a missionary, a preacher, Brother Dobins, uh, not many people would know him, but um, they're elderly now. Uh, he said, I'll sponsor Sergei, your, your oldest uh, uh, son, told my parents that to come to Texas Bible College uh, to, to study. And so my wow. Sergei had an opportunity to just, just go at age of 21. Uh, and graduate four years, uh, 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 graduated in 2004, uh, and moved uh, back to Ukraine uh, while having all opportunity, had the visa and everything to stay. And, and the way he said it, he said he had offers to stay and work at uh, different churches uh, in different role capacities and, and just kind of live American dream while we are in Ukraine. Right. Um, and so, but he really felt the burden for Ukraine. That's, you know, we all had that burden. Uh, and so he moved back, married 2005, uh, his wife, Veronica. 
and they have uh, two kids now, a son and a daughter. Wow. And so in 2006, uh, it was mid-2006, close to 2007 before immigration, we, we had scheduled a leadership conference. And this is something that we've been doing for a while uh, uh, there uh, now because this was a moment where UPCI preachers would come, uh, Brother Bernard would come through, we had uh, other preachers would come and they would preach during those leadership conference once a year about the gospel, about the doctrine and right. equipping and, uh, you know, trainings that we didn't have at that time. And this was like a three-day thing, morning and evening classes. And and on a Friday night, we usually had a big service with worship and everything. So during that service, the Lord spoke through a missionary that came by, uh, a preacher, uh, uh, the speaker that was, I can't remember his name, but, um, and my brother really felt the burden that he should turn in his immigration papers and stay as a pastor. Mm. And so he, uh, he went to his hotel room, told, uh, spoke to his wife, Veronica. Uh, they already had their first child at that time, uh, uh infant or so. Uh, and so, uh, they both felt the burden and prayed in that room. Um, and they, he said they felt strong presence of the Lord as they were praying. And he called several of preachers that he knew that, you know, he trusted and uh, had the, their voice and uh, they confirmed that this is what he should do. And so they turned in, they became lead pastors in 2006. And uh, when we immigrated, he stayed with his wife and, um, and became pastors. Wow. And so up to this day, and, you know, God's done a great work uh, through them. And uh, their their burden was for the city of Kiev to be a center point uh, for the Ukraine. And so uh, Sergei said he felt clear from the Lord directions to focus on kids. And so when he became pastor for several years in a row they did at the summer kids camp but it wasn't for the christian kids uh it was just for uh they advertised through the church but a lot of kids would come they've seen hundreds of kids uh, between wow. ages of 10 and, and 15 and 16 uh they just one week of camp um and so they would just rent a place kind of like we do summer camp here but for our right. apostolic churches but this was not like that it was similar setting but not for uh, Christian kids. Right. And they've seen hundreds of kids baptized uh, and uh, wow. with permission of their parents because they've repented at those camps. It was fun as well as, you know, uh, spiritual. And sure. they would repent, uh, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then with permission of the parents, they would baptize them. And so many of those kids right now are in various ministries in the church that in Kiev right now. So if you remember, if my that my father, uh, he had a, a dream that Kiev church would have a building and would have a training center, but the Lord never opened the door really. Well, the Lord opened the door uh, when my brother was a pastor and uh, miraculously provided a land, a man that we don't know, just, just offered to pay it. We buy that, we bought that land. He bought that land, but he went through so many court battles because this was uh, when Ukraine was experiencing corruption like never before. So wow. he ended up losing two of the little pieces of that land to the government because uh, the government was corrupted and there was many corruption going on different levels of the, in, in many aspects, that corruption that was happening, what provided the kind of what's happening today in Ukraine because it led to, in 2013, it led to that pro-Russian president, uh, I know I'm, I'm going politics, but I'll stop right there. And this is when the revolution happened. And this is when the war in Crimea started in 2014. Mm. And so it all from that moment, the war on Donbass in Crimea led to this day. This is where the war is happening today in those areas. And it all started then. But he, that's when the church was going through as well, because they, they bought a land and the, by government, piece by piece, people in the background start taking trying to challenge through the courts and sergey won uh the it was like a four piece uh, a big land but it was four different pieces and so he won two lost two but but we prayed we prayed i mean the church prayed we prayed there was 
so many uh, people that prayed to the Lord to he opened the door, but the, we call it a miracle in Kiev. And if you scroll through our their church page, you will see that update, miracle in Kiev update. And so he, that was happening for several years that somehow Sergey got approached by a businessman that says, I'll take those, whatever you lost and don't lost, and I'll give you my land right here. And wow. that land was actually closer to the, the center, uh, uh, like a little highway, you know, right. and it's closer to the metro station. And it's actually in a better area. And he says, I'll give you this land and one apartment because I'm building another apartment in Complex Hills. He'll give, he, I'll give you an apartment. So uh, that was the answer to the prayer. <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, I'll send you that picture as well. They, uh, sure. You will see the building. They were able to break ground a couple of years ago. And there's a beautiful building there uh, uh, that they uh, uh, have right now. It's in progress and stages, but they were already able to put the walls up and put the uh, uh, partial of the ceiling right before the war, they were putting the, the roof off uh, the roof on there. And so uh, uh, the Lord answered that prayer. Now uh, opened that door uh, now to, to, to really, and, and this is what we believe that when the war is over, this building is going to serve its purpose that the, the Lord spoke many years ago. Uh, because they'll be able to complete it in a matter of very, very fast time. And up to this day, there's uh, several PI campuses that are happening, uh, Purpose Institute campuses that in, in several churches in East and West and Central Ukraine, that they are already uh, teaching and equipping apostolic truth to uh, not even apostolic uh, pastors and so uh, and their congregations and so the the work the work is already happening and so we believe that when the war is over um this the answered prayer that the building is being built and it's really beautiful building um uh it'll have many classes it'll have several auditoriums that will serve for training purposes and releasing missionaries and evangelists that will will travel all over ukraine and so uh, uh former soviet union that will uh, really revival will break out. Wow. And so, and, uh, my brother, Sasha, he immigrated as well. He's a pastor as well in Kiev. Sergey is kind of like a senior pastor. And then Sasha, he is more of a, he's just a pastor there. He, he preaches a lot as well as does various ministries in the church, because when Sergey travels to preach at another church or purpose institute or uh, Sasha, he's the pastor of the church there. Sure. And so uh, he uh, immigrated in 2000, uh, end of 2007, close to 2008, and he came straight to Ohio. He w- lived here with Bishop Ellis. He graduated Purpose Institute here, uh, got licensed through United Pentecostal Church. And uh, 2010, he went back to Ukraine because he felt that burden as well. He didn't want to make life here in America. He uh, He just... He didn't, he didn't go as a missionary or aimer or, you know, somebody who fundraised something. He just saw, yeah. if you know my brother, he just uh, got up and left. <laughs> because he wanted, he wanted to be uh, in Kiev. Uh, and so, uh, and so he just went to Kiev, I guess. He got licensed here and got, uh, we prayed for him in the church and he married a, a, a young lady there uh, from Kiev church and uh the Lord provided for them as well because uh, it's it's not an easy thing to to uh, live in Ukraine. In Ukraine, you have to really people have to work several jobs to just be able to sustain themselves. Wow! And so and so, yeah, he just just left, and then because he felt that burden, and uh, the Lord provided, and then he's been a great help as well to Sergey, and uh, 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 the Lord worked through both of them many miracles. They've seen many kids. Uh, prayed through the Holy Ghost, baptized many people, many, uh, you know, uh, as well as they both uh, travel and teach at purposes to teach apostolic doctrine in many churches and many campuses. And so um, to this day, uh, you know, when the war started, this is the day 34, I believe, of war. Uh, and so they had to, on day, on day, uh, on day two, they stayed at home first when the war started, but then 
uh, bombs were starting to flying because they were they were close to an airport. And if you know the day one, um, the the Russian forces bombed every airport in the country as a plan to cripple infrastructure, wow. cripple the uh, you know aid coming in coming out. Sure, and yeah. And so they were close to the airport. They 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 started to feel the ground shake on day two. They they decided to just move a little bit west, move a little bit away in a safer area. Um, there were several people there that opened their home through that my father preached. Now, coming back to my father a little bit, and I'll come back to the what's happening right now. Sure. Uh, my father, uh, in 2000, like I said, we immigrated 2007. Um, in 2009, uh, he started preaching. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2010. 2010. He started preaching on the Slavic radio in Sacramento where they lived. Uh, and he just started preaching about doctrine, started preaching about name of Jesus. Uh, because Sla uh, Sacramento has a big Slavic community, a very big Slavic community. And there's a lot of established uh, Baptist and Pentecost churches and uh, not apostolic Pentecost churches and the uh, charismatic churches. And so they they're just have big Slavic population there. And so he started preaching uh, on the Slavic radio for a year. And it, in 2011, they felt the burden to, to start a Slavic church where they, they were. And this is when I, uh, I was at that time in Ohio uh, as well, going through Purpose Institute. And uh, I, I felt that burden to go back to, to, uh, to California to be with my father and mother. And we started the church. And so, I moved back, married there, uh, and we started the church in Sacramento. Um, and uh, and then the Lord called me back to Ohio in 2013. <laughs> and so I came back with my wife to this church where I am right now, sitting uh, Lighthouse, Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle Church in Maslin. Yep. And so I've been here ever since. Uh, and so, but uh, uh, 2015, uh, uh, to 16, uh, the Lord called my parents to, they felt a burden again to go back to Ukraine. I know they were preaching to Slavic people, uh, but they, they really felt the burden. So they were able to, as aimers, raise some money uh, and go back to, to Ukraine and continue that work uh, that my father started a while ago to travel to those. Uh, they were based out of Kiev church, but they traveled to eastern and western Ukraine and to the south, and uh, they 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 preached, started preaching in those churches that they used to preach before they left, as well as establishing new preaching points, new groups that reached out. And uh, one of those groups, actually, one of those uh, homes that that opened their doors is is right now where they're staying, that mm. they had to evacuate to, and so the Lord provided a way even now, and so where they're staying right now. <clears throat> My father was able to, uh, uh, and he's uh, associate missionary. My mom and dad, they're associate missionary. It's like a little step up from Amos. Uh, they're not full-time missionary to Ukraine, but they're uh, associate missionaries to Ukraine. Right. Um, and so where they, where they were staying, uh, they were able to preach at three Baptist churches now. They, uh, because my father, he wrote three books on apostolic doctrine and really... Uh, uh, focusing on the name of Jesus because it's very important that um, uh, that people understand that there's one God and His name is Jesus. And uh, many of the churches that came out from underground uh, didn't have that understanding. They 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 were Christians. They pursued God, but they didn't didn't understand the name of Jesus and how it right. applies to our life. And so. Um, he wrote uh, before he wrote one book before we immigrated and he uh, uh, he just printed in thousands and just put in mailers that pastors, churches that he knew. And he just sent it everywhere for free. Mm, <laughs> one right. or not, your church received the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, that uh, and many, many Trinitarians and charismatic churches, not by choice in their mail, received my father's book. And so uh, and many responded. Many responded that they never knew about it. They wanted to know more. Mm. And so when my father went back to uh, uh, right now, uh, 2017, uh, 16, uh, mid-17, 
mid 16 to 17, they, they went back as Amers. He was able to, to write another book uh, uh, on apostolic doctrine and he sent it out as well. And, uh, uh, and, and he got more responses. And uh, one of the churches is even uh, in uh, Georgia that, that received his book. And they send a picture that uh, in, in their home Bible study because it's they, they can't really open uh, gather openly in Georgia, right? And so they they send him a picture that says we got your book and we've it, this is a revelation we've never knew about it. Wow! And so he uh, was able. To, so where they went uh, during when they had to immigrate, uh, I'm sorry, evacuate when the war started. In that village where they're staying, he just went and walked into a church on Sunday morning. Um, he just got dressed and just uh, he asked people, where's their nearby church? And he just walked in as a guest. He didn't introduce himself, nothing. Uh, he just wanted to be in church on Sunday. And the pastor met him at the door. He said, I know you. Uh, I have your book. I recognize you. Wow. Yeah. From the book. And he said, would you like to preach? <laughs> my dad said, oh, wow. well, I'm going to yeah. preach the, I'm going to preach the truth. So he said, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Awesome. So my, my father preached on a, being filled with the Holy Ghost, the name of Jesus. And uh, then another church reached out next Sunday and another church. So he preached at three Baptist churches and the Lord really opened the door in that area where they're staying right now. They already had a group there that they were preaching to and traveling to. Uh, before the war, but now the Lord really opened door in that area for them to just preach the gospel and and uh, and who knows what's going to happen when the war's over? There might be a several churches, you know. <laughs> so, in Jesus' name, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great miracle. And awesome. and then now my brothers, um, they're staying a little a little bit away in different house in different village, and the Lord opened the door for them differently. Uh, really, they were able to. Uh, and I can share that, get in contact with several government officials, high government officials and acquire permits, because if you're aged from 18 to 60, you have to be drafted into military right mm. now, everybody. And so they're in that mid thirties. So right. they were able to acquire permits through government uh, and to be able to, to work as an aid workers. And it's really a miracle. Um, and, uh, how they got that because you can't drive. And so they, they're able right now, and I'm going to go ahead a little bit. They, they were able to combine efforts. I know there's several fundraiser efforts. Our church is fundraising, not our church, but we set up a link through our church where many people gave many churches, many individuals. We don't even know gave through that uh, portal. Um, and uh, we were able to send money over there, as well as Compassion Services International. They're based out of Florida, uh, United Pentecostal Church. They're, they're part of United Pentecostal Church. Mm -hmm. They were able to raise money, and, uh, and we were able to buy supplies through uh, Poland, Romania, Germany, uh, food supplies, and send them to my brothers where they're staying. Like I said, they acquired permits, as well as government says, here's a warehouse you can use for your use. Um, you can you can be based out of here. So we're able to, uh, through combined efforts, uh, to send money um, and, and uh, for them to buy supplies in, in those over the border, bring them in without any problems through the border. Wow. Because yeah. the government says, if you're bringing aid, uh, we, know, we know these people, they have permits, just drive through the border. Just tell us what you have and just go. There's no, wow, praise God, yeah. you know, they don't have to pay fees or stay in lines for days. And so to this day, they were able to help. Uh, they were able to send out over 5,000 aid packages mm. uh, to Eastern Ukraine, right in the middle of where the war is happening because people can't evacuate out of there. And so they were able to, uh, there was a lot of several brave men that have uh, cargo vans and uh, they were able to help really the church God opened the doors for them to, to really spread the gospel as well as to, to be the church, to, to be the light and to feed those that are hungry and, and awesome. send clothes and to give clothes to the kids and to, to the women and children. And uh, even to some of them uh, that were drafted into military. Uh, I wouldn't go into details. I don't want to talk about military much. Right. It's not really, but we were, 
you know, my brother said these young, young, young guys that are being drafted literally in the middle of the night, you're being drafted to military in your jeans, whatever you have in your back, you handed a gun and, and you go on the front line. And wow. he said, because Ukraine, if, you know, I, we're not covering political aspect, but Ukraine was not equipped for war. Uh, they were not equipped with, with bulletproof vests. They're not equipped with, you know, state of the art guns and, and rifles. They were not equipped to be at war. I know there's a, uh, now they, you know, America and, and Poland and NATO and several countries sent some military aid to the military, but in the, in the first week of the war, Ukraine didn't have military reserve, didn't have, uh, uh, nothing to to stand the ground but you know i think it's a miracle because the church was was praying uh from day one i mean every, the whole world knew about ukraine <laughs> if yeah. nobody knew about ukraine they knew on the day one what was happening right. i know the church we were praying many churches i know united pentecostal church it came uh, even to headquarters they were praying there brother bernard mm-hmm. uh uh bishop bernard and so uh and there was testimonies that were there were just uh, those rockets that were flying, just falling off the sky without exploding. And there was uh, uh, a one testimony recently that uh, we shared, and I think it's okay to share. Uh, this one military, uh, uh, a father came back to the village where my brother is, and uh, he came to the church where they were there uh, singing at one of the Baptist churches. My, my brother preached there as well. And uh, he was telling a story. He says, I don't know how it happened. We're sitting in our armored vehicles. He said, the Lord saved his life three times that day. <laughs> wow. He said, I was sitting in my armored vehicle and there was Russian helicopters. He said, probably a good dozen of them. They just covered our unit. But for some reason, they hovered over us. He said, and they turned around and left. It's like, he said, it's like we, they didn't see us or something. And there, Sergei says, well, I want to tell you that the, the church, millions of people are praying for you. So it could be very possible that the Lord covered you in under his wing that they didn't see you. <laughs> he wow, said, you incredible. saw them, but they didn't see you. And he, he said he was just bawling and crying big tears because he says, we're not equipped to fight this war, but somehow we're standing ground. And uh, um, they, they see miracles like this. I mean, num- numerous mil- miracles. Wow. And so the Lord, you know, the Lord's hand over the, his church, over his people. Good. Um, and and uh, and the Lord's going to win this battle, this war, God's way. Not, you know, I know we put sometimes our hope in NATO and America and our president and ability of other countries to intervene and send arms and different things. But I think uh, our hope and trust should be in the Lord uh, because you know, he holds all powers and he's, he's the Lord of the, the biggest army, <laughs> uh, Lord of hosts. And so, and he's the King of King and there's no, you know, we should put our, we should pray for our government hundred percent, pray for our president, for even Zelensky and the presidents of the world. And, but our hope, you know, we as a church and I, and I know that's what Sergey said. He says, if it wasn't for the church to pray, if it wasn't them to be a part of the great church and part of United Pentecostal church, uh, he says, if we weren't part of the church and just be a, a single standing church, like many churches in Ukraine. Right. Um, and, and if we wouldn't know the truth, if we would, didn't have a body of Christ praying for us, he says, we would literally go crazy on the first week because everything that's happening around, it just affects your mind. He yeah. said. And so he says, they they struggle because you know it's emotional time they they feel uh they feel you know the, the depression they feel the you know because people dying around them and buildings are being destroyed and and it's not it's civilian targets now and even peaceful people that try to evacuate there's several uh uh stories about that that they just shut up uh uh they shot from a machine gun the whole uh, convoy of people trying to flee just women and children it's really like a, a bad situation, but yeah. he says through all this time, if it wasn't for prayers, uh, the, the Lord's giving them peace, the Lord's keeping their hearts, 
and their emotions and the Lord's just, just keeping their mind uh, and, and, and they see miracles and even in, and are able, able to, to help literally thousands of people uh, give them food um, through these fundraisers efforts that we do here in the United States. I mean, that's, I guess that's how we can help. We can pray and give right. that's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I told my wife, I mean, I just want to get up and go. And she's like, you should probably go. I said, well, <laughs> probably yeah. not a good idea. And yeah. but I'm going to do what I can right here. And as well as many pastors feel that burden, I'm grateful for United Pentecostal Church and pastors that are feeling that burden and praying for the church in Kiev, praying for Ukraine in general. Yeah. Um, and so this, this, I mean, I, I, you know, and I, I think we posted somewhere they were able up to date to send in these first 34 days of war sent to 5,008 packages. But to put in perspective, one aid package can feed the family of three. So you can kind of be multiplied by three. They were able to, to, to help and they still actively are. Every day they're sending out packaging aids and uh, uh, the food and supplies and, and, and blankets and uh, coats and hats and scarves yeah. for kids and women and, and awesome. uh, for, the, for the man. And so they, they really, uh, the Lord's opened doors for them even now to, to, to just preach the gospel and just to, just to give hope because hope is, 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 is a, a what do you say that's like a high price for it in there yeah and so and and this is what the church does and this is one you know one thing i'll share last one i guess uh this is what my brother said you know when they they do like a little online meeting uh mm -hmm. church i guess because they're li literally scattered they're scattered all over ukraine because some evacuated into small groups into different areas and some are some of the church uh uh their members were my brother with my brother in the village where they're staying and they're able to work together uh, to do this uh, humanitarian work. But uh, he said they do online, online church. And he said, you know, he told the church, you are the church now. I know not a building. You are the building. You are the, the right. preacher. You are the missionary. And so right. preach. And there was many testimonies where the, 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 the church people were gathered in a bunker in their workplace uh, in, 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 in whatever they staying in the group and they were able to pray for those people around them and God would bring peace and they, they, they would feel the presence of God and those people would have tears falling down their eyes because, oh, wow. uh, it's crazy you know, they, they said, uh, 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 Vlad is one of the ministers, the uh, music director. He said they had to, his wife and the child had to run eight times during the day from five story building it's a five uh, apartment complex five story but he didn't have elevator so he says in one day they had to run eight times because there was air sirens going off that means you have to take shelter he says wow. we had to grab our our children and just run five stairs in the basement and he says it really affects your mind when mm. and but that's adults i mean imagine children mm. uh my brother said that they were uh even if you slam the door a little bit harder the kids suddenly they think something's happening because it, it does wow. what's happening. And so the Lord's been keeping their hand, uh, his hand over, over their minds and over their hearts. And I'm really grateful for the church and everybody who's what is praying and is able to financially help. And so right. that makes a big difference. Well, I think that's good. And, and I've been sitting here thinking about and just listening uh, these amazing stories. And I'm just encouraged to know that there are men and women of God who have a, a heart after Christ and yes. who honestly, through a very disparaging and, and, and trial some time, uh, still see the need to reach others and to uh, go to the Lord in prayer and, and yes. know that he is the answer. Um, it's, it's pretty encouraging to see. And I, I'm really uh, uplifted and encouraged by that. So I want you to know that our church has been praying as well. Uh, Life Church, we've been praying for, for those involved and, and the situation and that God's hand and safety would be upon everyone. Um, and uh, I, I'm I just glad to know that there are ways that we can help by giving and, and with our prayers. And uh, prayers do go out to you and your family. Uh, and everything going on in those situations. So, hey, man, thank you for taking this time to kind of 
give us an update Thank on what's you. going on. You know, we're getting a, a, a fresh eye perspective of, of a, a firsthand experience of what is going on over in Ukraine. Um, like I said, it, we can be disconnected. We're across an ocean, you know, and yeah. we don't necessarily see it firsthand. But uh, to hear it from someone whose family is involved in the situation, uh, it's eye opening and uh, encouraging at the same time. Yes. So thank you so much, uh, Vasa. I bless you for being on thank this you, podcast. Justin. And uh, hope that you have uh, a blessed day and everything goes good with you and your family. God bless you. Thank you. God bless.